What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Can't fight the Fed? Can the Fed fight inflation? To say, wow, this is really too good. We need to kill this job market. We are employed. We're making wage gains. Right. And we for need some to, reason... That's, this is bad. Longtime market watcher and financial historian Jeremy Siegel is fired up. A year ago in September, they said no inflation was a problem at all. And Siegel says the Fed was too loose for too long, and now for the U.S. economy, it could be too rough. Honestly, Chairman Powell, I think you'd offer the American people an apology for such poor monetary policy. Plus, a reacquisition fee if you want to buy your car lease? Whoa, what is this? Our Phil LeBeau on the new cost hitting consumers. They made that up. That reminds me of Fargo. You, you got to get this true code. It's Monday, September 26th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand by, Joe. In three, two, one. Here's Mike. Here. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with uh, Melissa Lee. It's going to be up all morning, all afternoon, most of the night. Um, <laughs> look at that smile, though, because she, we're together. We're here. Becky and Andrew uh, are out. When I was talking about all the anticipation for delivering Alpha, uh-huh. you started laughing. Like I, because you I don't sarcastic. do sarcasm in the morning. Oh, you don't do I don't do not Why? early in the morning. And I wasn't doing it right now about you enjoying being here either, was I? That was not sarcastic, was it? I was agreeing, and that was sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> Investors are starting the week nervous, shell-shocked, spooked. What other adjectives can we use to describe the swiftness of the global market sell-off last week? On Friday, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit a new intraday low for the year, and the S&P 500 briefly went below its June 2022 low. Remember the brutal worst first half of the year for stocks in decades? Well, we're testing that bad news. The S&P 500 is on pace for its biggest annual drop since 2008, as investors try to figure out how to respond to the Fed's aggressive interest rate hike strategy in the face of soaring inflation. As we know, the Fed raised its benchmark rate three quarters of a percent last week. And then the world's central banks embarked on something of a group tour as well, raising interest rates one at a time around the world. We've never seen anything quite like this before. The U.S. Federal Reserve was one of 10 central banks that raised interest rates last week, and more rate hikes are expected in October. Also haunting the markets, turmoil in foreign currencies. The British pound dropped to a record low against the U.S. dollar today. The United Kingdom's new leadership announced a budget on Friday. And our plan, Mr. Speaker, is to expand the supply side of the economy through tax incentives and reform. That includes tax cuts and additional spending. And none of this is going to happen overnight. But today, but today we are publishing our growth plan. Critics say this approach will disproportionately benefit the wealthy and could increase the UK's debt level at a time of rising interest rates. Fighting inflation, 
while stimulating the economy, a tricky bet, and one that can have painful consequences. Let's get back to Joe. Atlanta Fed President uh, Rafael Bostic spoke on CBS's Face the Nation yesterday, reiterating the central bank's 2% inflation target. He said there's uh, positive momentum in the economy and, in his words, some ability for the economy to absorb the Fed's actions. We need to have slowdown. There's no question about that. Uh, but I do think that we're going to do all that we can at the Federal Reserve uh, to avoid deep, deep pain. It's not going to be easy. Uh, there will likely be some job losses. Uh, but I think if you look over the historical uh, history here and, and our economic experiences, uh, there's a really good chance that if we have job losses, it's going to be smaller than what we've seen in other situations. Which sounds good, but it presents the Fed with a problem. That's the whole topsy-turvy, uh, you know, blunt instrument mechanism that, that the Fed employs. Every first Friday of the month, we get another, at least so far, have gotten a strong number, stronger than people thought. Right. Any normal time, normal people <laughs> would say good. And wage gains, any normal time, normal people would say good. In this setting, it should allow the Fed, you would think, maybe to raise rates. And if employment stays strong, we don't have to, it could be a soft landing. Exactly. Except when it's that strong, and wage, and people can ask, rail workers can ask for 28%. Exactly. Then that's part of the issue that the Fed can't really, or is trying to, to nip in the bud. And, and it's just not good. It's not good to say, wow, th this is really too good. We need to kill this job market. We are employed. We're making wage gains. Right. And we for need some to, reason, that's, that's this is negative. Bad. Yeah. But that's exactly the stickiest part of inflation. And that's what companies right. are battling at this point. Exactly. And so when they say we have to raise prices... Um, we have to do this and that because wage inflation is a yeah. problem. That's inflation still. It's a problem. I likened it to, if, is Joseph Heller alive? Remember Catch-22? Yeah. He's, he's brilliant. It's like the great, if you ever read it, it's, it's just so funny. But it's like everything that goes on in the Army is like, you know, it, you want to get out of it because it's, you know, you're going to war. It's not something... It, but, in his view, you want to get out of it. Obviously, there's a lot of the greatest men and women in the world serve our country that way. But in his, you know, sort of ironic world, if you want to get out on an insanity plea, you can't do it because you couldn't be insane if you want to get out. Seeing that you want right. to get out means you're, you're right. sane enough to realize, to, to, yes. The, so that's the catch twenty-two. That, that he, and, and it reminds me of the same thing. The, the way that we're doing things, it's it's so topsy-turvy and just not a way to run an economy. Well, think about what they're doing in the UK. Right. I like the newly the elected government Good. is trying to low taxes, less regulation. Right. But do that goes work directly on the against what the central bank is trying to do. They unveiled does these measures though? the day after the BOE Does it go against rates. it, or does it increase the supply instead of? hurting the demand. And that's also what we've done stupidly in this country, too. I mean, the SPR has brought down oil, but what's bringing it down right now is the prospect of a really hard landing. Well, the markets say it's all wrong in the UK. Well, that's clear. In terms our of markets aren't doing much better. What's happening with the guilt. Right. Well, our, ours aren't, uh, you know, we're not doing much. The, the dollar's doing better. But when, relative to the other countries. But isn't that a microcosm of, of what we're doing with oil? Why not boost the supply instead of killing demand 
bringing down the price of oil. If, you, if we were to, you know, I mean, look at this permitting thing. Mansion's got a. Uh, do you think that if gas? You see were, this piece in the journal. If gas were two dollars a gallon again, do you think people would drive less or more? I don't know whether that's the 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 fact. I know that it's it's you know some people have to decide on driving or or, or eating hamburgers. Or I don't know whether Beyond Meat, whatever people are. You know, but Manson's got a piece to date, and he's like just, just begging. And I, and you know, I don't know. He's like the most unpopular guy in the country right now. But his permitting bill—that's not going to work. Democrats aren't going to give him that. I don't think. The tightrope the Fed is walking, staying focused on the beast of inflation while still managing the way out of our last economic shock. Remember the COVID-19 pandemic? This has emotions running high among market watchers. Long-term perspective on the U.S. equity markets is part art, part science, part history, and one of the foremost veterans is University of Pennsylvania Wharton School professor Jeremy Siegel. He joined CNBC during Friday's market route. And now, oh my God, you know, we're going to be real tough guys until we crush the economy. Siegel argued that the Fed insisted for too long that inflation was transitory, temporary, not going to stick around for a while. That, in his view, was a policy mistake and has led to more. Someone should have raised their voice a year ago. I mean, it's so it's, it's just like it's so obvious now someone should have raised their voice. No one dissented and said, what we're doing is crazy in 2021, supporting the biggest housing market boom and everything else. Uh, and and I really, I'm so disappointed that the Fed, um, that the, the Fed doesn't seem to be responding to what I see has been, you know, received monetary policy in theory for so many years. Right now, the Fed funds rate, the central bank's benchmark interest rate, sits at 3 to 3.25 percent. But policymakers said they could raise the rate as high as 4.6 or 4.7 in this ongoing fight against inflation. Professor Jeremy Siegel joined us today on Squawk Box, and that is where we started. Professor, always great to have you on. In your view, what are we at a greater risk of? And, you know, the Fed, they're in charge, and they're the ones that are calling the shots here. Is it more likely the Fed is too tough uh, and, and too tight for too long, or is it more likely at this point uh, that they waffle and, and don't have the resolve necessary to really uh, vanquish inflation? Are they equal? Uh, no, I, I think the former is more of a risk. I think they're talking way too tough. Uh, for you know the Fed funds futures market now in May, 475. Uh, I think that's very much too tight given the forward-looking actual rate of inflation, not necessarily what we see in backward-looking you know BLS statistics, but forward-looking. Uh, as I've mentioned many times before, home prices declining, commodity prices declining, freight rates declining. All the way up and uh, down, uh, we see declines, not rises. And uh, I, I think that, and look at the dollar. I mean, the dollar is showing how tight the Fed actually is. Take a look at the money supply. We're going to get it tomorrow, monthly money supply. Uh, one o'clock, people don't talk about it, but that was the clue to why we had so much inflation over the last two years. And that has stopped, not only stopped dead in its tracks, actually declined for 
from March in the first time in since World War II, uh, we've had such a protracted decline. So the Fed's talk uh, and the tightening is so extreme that I think that uh, the risk of recession uh, is is much higher than, uh, you know, waffling on the inflation. You and I uh, are kind of in the in the same camp there. And and I think that the, the fear of ending up like Arthur Burns or whomever you want to pick back prior to Volcker, I think that's so front and center with 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 the current uh, chair that, that that could end up with a policy mistake. Plus, getting burned on the transitory side of things and being so wrong uh, initially, you could end up making a policy error by, by just being burned by that. Could you not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's I mean, happening? It's, it's, it, yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, I look back at, at Burns, we, you know, uh, they were they kept on pouring money in commodities were kept on going up uh you know we didn't see the dollar soaring like we did i mean you know all of a sudden you know they're worried about uh, you know what, what happened arthur, arthur burns uh uh the, the situation is totally uh different uh right now than it, it was uh, back then i mean the fed's tightening and their talk of super tightening has just pushed the markets way too extreme. And, uh, uh, you know, my, as I said, my feeling is, is that, uh, as, as, as you said, and as I said, a year ago in September, um, uh, they said no inflation was a problem at all. By the way, uh, chairman, uh, Powell talked quite a bit about the jolts data, you know, job opening and labor turnover data, how tight it is. Job gains have been robust with employee employment rising by an average of 378,000 jobs per month over the last three months. The labor market continues to be out of balance with demand for workers substantially exceeding the supply of available workers. The interesting thing is I look back a year ago, September, it was exactly as tight as it is today and he never said anything um, right. about inflation. So uh, all of a sudden, well, I mean, what's caused him to change his mind that the same data and yet all the, you know, on the jolts, which is not what he's pointing to, and every other data going down has suddenly made inflation a threat when a year ago when everything was booming, uh, he said inflation was no threat. I mean, you know, it, it, honestly... It, Chairman yeah, Powell, I think, should offer the American people an apology for such poor monetary policy that he's pursued and the Fed has pursued over the last two years. I could almost see, um, Professor, that, that Chairman Powell should, should, instead of looking at the job market right now as a problem, he should look at that as, look, the rest of the economy is in, in danger of a really sharp contraction. It's a good thing that we have labor holding up for whatever reason that it, and have some wage gains. It's, it's a good thing. And maybe we can orchestrate a soft landing if everything else is, is in really dire shape and the job market holds up, that's what you want. But they're looking at it the other way. They're looking at it like, wow, rest of the, I don't know if they know the rest of the economy in some people's view has already rolled over and, and they see the stubborn job market as, as something they need to to somehow we, we need to, the job market to weaken before we've done our job. That's that's yeah, that's a, like a crazy way of viewing thing. Well, uh, what, what 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 disturbs me is that when we look at wages, they have fallen way behind inflation. It's hard for me 
to, to understand why how it can be a cause of inflation when wages have fallen behind inflation. You know, back in the 1960s, we academics used to you know discuss what's called de uh, demand pull inflation versus cost push. Uh, and when costs were going up faster than inflation, then inflation was going to proceed. Labor costs have have gone up less than inflation. Most of the wage increases, and yes, there are wage increases, are catch up. Uh, it seems to me wrong, you know, for Powell to say we're going to crush, you know, wage increases, going to crush the worker uh, when I don't. That's not the cause of the inflation. The cause of inflation was excessive monetary accommodation over the last two years. Don't shift the blame now to the worker, crush the worker and saying, you know, that's what we have to do to control the inflation. Wrong solution. Yeah, no, no way to run a, a, an economy. I, I don't know uh, when the history is written in the future about this period. I don't know what it's going to say, Jeremy. It might not be. Uh, it might maybe. It well, I, let, let's hope that he see and the Fed sees the light and the slowdown. And we're not going to get 475 on Fed. Fund. I mean, clearly the market is is primed for that. And that's one reason it's depressed. I mean, we've seen the biggest rise in real rates, the biggest I mean, you can it, it's it's the, the degree of tightening has almost never happened like this. I mean, even the Volcker shock uh, in terms of the long term relative uh, is almost not in comparison to what we have seen over the last three months. Yeah. In percentage terms and in the, how rapid it's been and in the dislocation, even though we're still at historically you know, somewhat low levels, uh, but fr from where we came from, it's going to be, it could be, it could rattle a few things. We'll see what, what's under the surface of all this, and, and that could, something systemic could be there too. Professor Siegel, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, you, you're, you're an Eagles fan, right? Are they good this year? Do you know? Well, certainly we can argue about the first three games. I think Jalen Hurts has come into his own, and it's yeah. going to be a, a great season. Yesterday. Yes. Did you see that? You didn't see golf. You didn't see what do you do on care, Sunday? I take care well, of two and a half year old twins, Joe. OK. All right. Well, that's, that's <laughs> a little cool. busy. Right. Thanks, Professor. Cheese <laughs> will be next. Still to come on Squawk Pod, leasing a car. Rising rates may hit you with an extra unexpected cost. CNBC's Phil LeBeau has more. Something a lot of people are hearing about for the first time. It's called a reacquisition fee. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.
This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Melissa Lee. If your car lease is almost up, be prepared for a different landscape at the dealership from just a few years ago. Phil Lebeau joins us now on how the economics of leasing have changed. Morning, Phil. Good morning, Melissa. And at the end of this report, we will talk about something a lot of people are hearing about for the first time. It's called a reacquisition fee. Think about that as we explain to you just how much leasing has changed over the last year. It used to be and typically was one out of every four vehicles at a dealership was leased. They consider those sales, but they were leased. Now it's always it's dropped down to 17 percent. Part of the issue is that more consumers are opting to buy instead of lease when they go into the dealership these days. Some of that is because the dealerships, the automakers, are simply offering fewer vehicles to lease. There's less volume, there's less inventory, and frankly, a lot of automakers and a lot of dealers would rather sell you a vehicle than lease you a vehicle. In fact, many automakers have cut their leasing by at least 30%. So look at the change in the monthly payments for leasing and buying and what's happened in the last year. The gap between between the two has widened just a little bit, but there you see leasing, it's now almost $600 a month on average. That's just the average. And if you're one of those people who likes to lease a luxury vehicle, you're gonna be paying a lot more than that. Leasing decline is hurting the used vehicle supply. Remember, typically people after a three-year lease or a four-year lease, they will go into another lease, but the vehicle they were leasing then goes into the used vehicle supply. That's been a great pipeline for dealers that has essentially dried up or it's slowed down considerably. And one specific automaker, Ford, I wanna focus on this, Ford's popularity with the EVs, you know, the the demand that is out there, whether it's the Mustang Mach-E or the uh, Lightning F-150, at this point, there's a limited number of those. But what Ford has said is, when it comes to leasing those vehicles, they will no longer allow the people who are leasing them to buy them out at the end, in part because they want to keep the EV supply within the Ford family as much as possible. So they want the dealers to have that option to then sell those vehicles. And when it comes to leasing reacquisition fee, Melissa, this is the little surprise that has popped up more and more within the last year at all, not all dealerships, but a lot of dealerships around the country and a lot of automakers are not happy about this, you will have dealers, even though it's not in the contract for a lot of people originally, who will say, well, you want to give us back your car at the end of the lease? Okay, well, if you want to buy it, it's going to cost you $950, maybe $1,000, and people are saying, whoa, what is this? And the dealer is saying, well, it's a reacquisition fee. That's what it's going to cost you to buy out your lease after three or four years. Uh, By the way, a number of automakers have told their dealers, knock it off. That is not in the contract for a number of leases. So you really have to look at that when you are leasing a vehicle. Yeah. Reacquisition fee. They made that up. That's like the, (laughs) that reminds me of Fargo. You got to get this true coat. You got, yeah, the true coat. I can knock a hundred off the true coat uh, down to four. I have a personal anecdote anecdote, like I always do, Phil. So last time I turned in my, my luxury vehicle that was leased, a lot of times, you know, it, with a low-profile tire, you mess up the wheels on a curb or something, and they, they, when yep. you try to turn it in, they're going to charge you something for that. Or there might be a ding here or a ding there. This time I turned it in, I go, do I owe you anything? Go, oh, no, 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 no. They, they didn't take it back as a lease. They immediately took it and, and wanted to sell it. They didn't care what condition oh, absolutely. this car was in. And, and, and Joe, like an idiot, I should have bought this. Joe, that's why. I should have bought it. And I should so have that's sold why it. a lot of people are, are 
They want that now a lot of people are saying, well, at the end of the lease, I don't want to go into another lease. I want to buy my vehicle because I right. can go down the street to CarMax or exactly. to another they dealership did. and I can sell it for far more than what I originally, you know, what it was the original value on it. That's the, the impact of the rising residual rates, which is why you will have some dealers try to tell you, OK, if you want to buy out the lease, it's another nine hundred and fifty dollars on top of what it's going to actually cost to buy out the, re, the this, remainder this whole of the thing like feeds, I know. Re-accurate. Somebody should look into that, that's right? Like I mean, a, it's, it's, it's like that's a like scam. They, made that McKin- but, they, they went to McKinsey. What, what, can, what can we do here? I got it. A reacquisition. It's like the true coat. Got to get that true coat underneath the... Uh... <laughs> got to get it. Phil, thank you. Phil Thanks, Bo. Phil. They talk like you, too, Phil, in that movie. Kind of. Chicago, Fargo, it's kind of... These battery-operated cars make people happy. That's Squawk Pod for today. On our rundown tomorrow, ARK invests Kathy Wood, the high-profile investor who put together a portfolio of high-growth, disruptive technology companies. Is she buying the dip? Check out Squawk Pod and find out. And I hope you follow or subscribe to this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. That means you'll get us in your feed every day. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thanks to Melissa Lee for sitting in today. We are wishing a happy and healthy Rosh Hashanah to those who celebrate, and we'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.